0: What's going on everybody and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. It is Tuesday, June 15th as the St. Louis Cardinals riding a little bit of a hot streak with Paul Goldschmidt walking it off over the Miami Marlins. That's two in a row. I guess they say three is what is technically a winning streak. I've always said two because I, I don't I don't know. I guess that's like a major league quote is the reason they say three. But to me, two is two in a row. That's a streak. I always say two's a streak. So the Cardinals are on a winning streak. There, I said it. Two wins over the Miami Marlins, and they will go for the sweep on Wednesday afternoon at Bush Stadium. Tonight was the Paul Goldschmidt show. Offensively, that's all the Cardinals really got done, as Kwang Young Kim returned from the injured list to take the mound on the pitching side for St. Louis. And you got three more quality innings from your ace trio of relievers, Hennessy's Cabrera, Giovanni Gagos, Alex Reyes, come in and slam the door shut, which was not necessarily a given, considering that when they began entering the game, when the Cardinals went to their bullpen for the first time, this was a tied game. And that was another example of Cardinals manager Mike Schilt being aggressive with the three relievers that he trusts. It was the same blueprint the Cardinals used to win on Monday night. Cabrera for the 7th. Gallegos for the 8th. Alex Reyes comes on for the ninth inning. This time though Reyes denied his 18th save of the season. Because he actually ends up being the winner in this game. Improving to 4-2. That will do well for the fantasy squad. As Reyes' is ERA for the season is still a pretty sterling 0.82. And it was Paul Goldschmidt with the walk-off home run. Bottom of the ninth inning. I tweeted out. Because you had the heart of the order coming up, Goldschmidt, Arenado, O'Neal. And then I said, one of them is bound to, right? Bound to hit a home run. That's right. I was calling my shot for the second time in a week. It was Anthony Rizzo the first time, though. So this time, at least, I was calling my shot on a Cardinal hitting a dinger. And Paul Goldschmidt came through, making me look really smart to some Twitter strangers, which was a lot of fun and Bush Stadium was happy to see it. Again, not a huge crowd tonight, 24,700-something, so about 500 more than was the case last night on Monday. I'll be interested to see Wednesday at an afternoon start time, twelve fifteen. what it'll look like. I really wish I was going down to the ballpark tomorrow afternoon to just hang out. Like, if, if there were ever a game that I'd be like, you know what, I'd love to just go to the game, drink a beer or two, and take it all in without having to work, but... That's just not the the luxury that I'm afforded right now, considering the Cardinals going on a road trip after Wednesday's game. They'll have four in Atlanta. Then I think they're gone for the early portion of next week as well. And when they return, I think it's the Diamondbacks, which should bode well for the Cardinals, considering the Diamondbacks lost their 21st road game in a row tonight in epic fashion against the Giants. They were up, and then I think an 8th inning Grand Slam is what tanked them. I I know the Giants scored four in the eighth, and they lost the Diamondbacks did nine to eight and they can't seem to win on the road. So when the, when the Diamondbacks visit St. Louis, that could be another area where the Cardinals are able to clean up here late in June, but I actually will not be at that series and we'll see what the podcast looks like that weekend because I'm, I'm helping some family move to the St. Louis area, which is really exciting for us. Some beloved members of my family moving from Atlanta to the St. Louis area. And so we'll be down there helping them move. I we wanted to get it done this weekend because the Cardinals are in Atlanta. I could have kind of killed two birds with one stone in that situation, covered a few games and then helped the moving process. Along alas, this weekend didn't work for them, so we we're, we're going next week, the weekend after this upcoming weekend. So we'll see what the podcast looks like. I'll bring my microphone. They've got Wi-Fi down there unless they've already packed it up. So we'll we'll try to get an episode or two going during that weekend, but in the meantime, let's talk about this Cardinals winner, two to one. Goldschmidt has had not his best season so far this year, even after a two for four night tonight where he hit the home run, had both of the Cardinals RBIs in this game in a two to one victory. Even after all that, he's still only at 735 for his OPS. that is not what you expect from Paul Goldschmidt, who typically throughout his career, He resides in the 900s, right? He's been a guy, an MVP caliber player throughout his career. And you look across the board, OPS. And again, I reference OPS a lot just because in the course of a podcast, we talk about a lot of different players. And tonight we're going to dive in a little bit more on Goldschmidt because we're talking about him as the hero of the game for the Cardinals tonight. But it was so interesting after such a big performance in the first run that the Cardinals scored, as I mentioned, came courtesy of Goldschmidt's bat as well back in the 6th inning. A little bit of a weird set of circumstances there as Jose Rondon, I believe he was in a pinch hit role, reaches first base and then on a pickoff attempt trying to catch Rondon who had already taken off with what he thought was going to be the pitch. He was trying to steal second base and the throw to first base did not connect with first baseman Jesus Aguilar and ends up that Jose Rondon able to advance to third, put the pressure a little bit on the defense. Carlson, I believe, struck out at that point. And we'll talk about why Dylan Carlson was batting leadoff tonight rather than Tommy Edmund and get into what the outlook is on Edmund, who was scratched from the lineup a little bit late. It was just before game time when the scratch occurred. And so we'll get into that here momentarily. But Goldschmidt then comes up and delivers the base hit to the opposite field. Hard hit ball, put it where they weren't. Really good to see him using the full field. And, of course, the home run in the bottom of the ninth was also to the opposite field, a little bit of right center action off the bat of Paul Goldschmidt. Really just a good thing to see from him. But you'd think after a game where you carried the load, he'd be a little more excited. But Paul Goldschmidt is Paul Goldschmidt. And you know now Cardinals fans do, having experienced the last few seasons with him, been with the Cardinals since 2019 after the trade that offseason. You, you just know that he's a guy who takes very seriously his responsibility to deliver for his team, and if you spent your entire career as he has, as kind of a, a premier star player, key cog in the lineup, always batting in a key position in the batting order, you'd put, you'd put the onus on yourself to be able to deliver for your team. And recently, prior to the last couple of games, the Cardinals have been on a significant losing skid where the only two starts they won in something like 12 games, I didn't even go back to look, but it was bad. We don't need to rehash it too many more times. But the only starts they'd won were the two Adam Wainwright starts of of late, one on Monday and then the other one five days previously on his turn in the rotation. Otherwise, the Cardinals were beaten down. They weren't getting starting pitching. On the days where the starters looked even somewhat competent, either the bullpen blew it, the offense didn't provide, or a little bit of both, to result in a whole lot of losses piling up for the Cardinals. Only with this win on Tuesday did they get back above the 500 mark, now at 34-33, and 33, and losses for division rivals coming at nice times as a little bit of a checkup on the Cubs and Brewers. They both lose again, so that's two losses consecutively for those guys, but the Reds then, you have to keep in mind, are the team beating the Brewers, and so they're still ahead of the Cardinals by a game right now. But the Cubs and Brewers at 38-29 and 29 each, that puts the Cardinals just four games back right now. Starting to erase some of that deficit that the Cardinals had built up over the course of their losing skid lately. Good to be able to do that against the Marlins. We'll talk about what they need to be doing against more capable teams. But hey, if you can... Steal as many wins as you can from the bad ones. Those all count, too, in the same standing. So right now where the Cardinals are at, it's not ideal. But they were able to get the couple of wins against the Marlins and, and going for the jugular on Wednesday going to be key. But with respect to Paul Goldschmidt, tonight in his Zoom interview after the game, after hitting the walk-off home run, he repeated like th- on three different occasions that it wasn't like anybody was asking him questions about how he'd struggled this season. They were, everybody was pretty complimentary and wondering, you know, how it felt to be the hero tonight. And he just continued to repeat that he hasn't performed up to his expectations this season. And he feels personally responsible for some of the losses the Cardinals have taken over this stretch because he points to a few different at-bats where he's come up with key situations, runners in scoring position, potential to, to turn the game around. And he hasn't been able to come through and his head, a large amount of strikeouts, more more strikeouts than you would expect of of Goldschmidt. Which I, I've I've noticed that a little bit since he even came over to the Cardinals, that the strikeout totals were a little more than I than I had expected, and the the power numbers haven't been quite what they were earlier in his career. Though last year it was all on base percentage that Paul Goldschmidt carried to a really quality campaign. And, and again, I'll bring up OPS. You look over the years of his career, just running down the line, I'll start in 2013 where it was his second full season nine fifty two nine thirty eight ten oh five over a thousand eight ninety nine then in twenty sixteen nine sixty six nine twenty two and then he came over to the Cardinals. so there's a lot of nine hundreds in there and even a thousand and one eight ninety nine so that was pretty much seven or so consecutive seasons uh looks like six consecutive seasons of at least an 899 OPS, everything else but the one year in 2016, above 900. Comes to the Cardinals in 2019, 821. So a career low for for his performance over the course of a full season, his lowest since back in 2012 at 850. we got to understand he's getting into his 30s, potentially, you know, he's still a prime player, but the the numbers that he put up consistently year-to-year in Arizona – you don't know that he's going to necessarily do that in St. Louis. But then the 883 OPS with the career-high 417 on base back in 2020, again, it's a partial season because of COVID, and so you don't compare it exactly. And I should say, not a career-high, 435 was his career-high back in 2015. But the 417 mark that he carried last season was the second-best of his career for on-base percentage. But now you look at his numbers in 2021, even after tonight, the 735 OPS pales in comparison to what he's traditionally been able to accomplish, has been n- known to be a slow starter at, at other seasons throughout his career. But and I remember 2018 in particular, he had a slow start similar to the way Matt Carpenter did that season, and both of them he- heated up significantly as the summer went along. Goldsmith maintained that and finished at a 922 OPS hit 33 homers, and finished with a two ninety batting average and on base near 400. So, really good season from Goldsmith then. And so you're thinking you'd love to see him be able to to dig himself out of this hole a little bit. But certainly, he was hard on himself in the, in the post-game Zoom, talking about needing to, to put that onus on himself to be that guy that can make sure the Cardinals don't lose 9 of 11 or whatever it is that they lost to be able to come up in your situations and and take care of business when the game calls for it. And he just hasn't been able to do that to his liking this season. Cardinals fans, I've seen some Cardinals fans be really hard on him. I've seen a lot of commentary on Twitter that I think is not appropriate for Paul Goldschmidt. Like if you're describing this guy as a player, just knowing the player that he's been and the person that he is and the work that he puts into it yesterday monday before the game he was taking and again let me paint a picture for you to to give you an idea of what this entailed but with the sun beating down on the bush stadium field at about 3:30 in the afternoon yesterday nearly 4 hours prior to the 7:15 game time there wasn't much action going on because it was hot and players were probably mostly getting their work in inside or just Skipping it for the day, Cardinals did not take BP on the field yesterday, and I don't believe they took it today either. They were down there, they were doing some workouts a little more on the field today than we saw on Monday, but there was no outdoor batting practice really to speak of for the Cardinals hitters. With the exception of Paul Goldsmith, who was out there right around three thirty. As soon as I could get in the ballpark, I was there in the media gate, come up there and Goldsmith's setting up to hit and he hit, and he just kept hitting, and kept hitting some more. I mean, it was a lengthy session that he got in on a day where there wasn't any other hitting taking place on the field that we saw from Cardinals. And so, uh, you know, it it was just a situation where I I feel like a lot of times throughout the summer, that's the case. We don't see guys out on the field as much. Goldsmith getting in some extra work this deep into his career, still wants to be on the top of his game where he's always been and is putting in the work to be able to get himself there. And so I was impressed by that yesterday. And it just, again, you don't have to wax poetic too much about it, but just the idea that I I see some of the things I see from Twitter, it's like, man, I just don't think people, I think people take for granted a little bit what Paul Goldschmidt has been and I know you're looking at the contract and saying, well, they've got lots of years left on it. It's going to end up being a bad deal for the team if he doesn't bring it around this year. I, again, I think Paul Goldschmidt, where, where he's at right now, hitting 250, I say he'll be closer to 275. On base at 319, I say he'll end up closer to 350. OPS of 735, uh, he's going to clear 800, in my opinion. And again, that's still lower than it's been for him, but I think considering the slow start at the end of the day, I I feel like you're going to see Paul Goldsmith a lot closer to his career norms than where he's been. You can appreciate a guy that when, when fans are calling you out on social media, which I promise you, Paul Goldsmith sees absolutely zero of if there's anyone I'm confident doesn't look at social media. It's Paul Goldsmith. I've, I've heard him talk at length about this. I remember last spring training 2020 uh, before the COVID shutdown. He was talking about it there. We were just – it's just that environment in spring training is so great, but it was over near the dugout of one of the the backfields, and he was getting some water and having a conversation about social media, the fact that he doesn't look at it. It's it's just how he is, and and it's worked for him to this point in his career. But certainly he recognized with his own performance that it hasn't been – up to par, and so he wears that in a post-game Zoom where you'd think, you know, a guy would be willing to talk about his accomplishments that day. He just says, yeah, you know, I can't go back and change it, but I I haven't been up to par so far this season, and that's the way Paul Goldsmith has been approaching this slump, and uh, today, though, he was happy to be able to help the Cardinals climb ever so closer to being officially out of it with the win over the Marlins. The other way the Cardinals are going to be able to officially climb out of this slump is with improved pitching and depth to that rotation. They got a jolt tonight with Quan Young-Kim returning to the rotation. The lefty, for the first time this season, got through six innings. The way he did it, though, is about as unexpected of a path toward that goal as you could imagine. He walked five batters and actually threw more balls than he did strikes on like 102 or three pitches. More than 50 balls and 49 strikes. Not what you'd anticipate from Quan Young Kim, who has been a pitchmaker throughout his career. His efficiency and his quick pace is what endeared him to Cardinals fans back in 2020 when he did so well out of the rotation that season. But this year's been a struggle, and he's been consistently dealing with the back issue. Tonight, got off to a slow start. Only allowed three hits in the game. But certainly with the walks creeping into his game tonight, made things a little difficult on himself. And that third inning in particular, when the Marlins got the only run against him that they got and the only run they scored all night, wasn't entirely even his fault. I mean, a run was going to score in this inning, and he did well to pitch his way out of a jam. The jam was made more difficult than it had to be, though, by two bad plays by outfielders, Dylan Carlson in center, sailed a throw that I don't know who he was trying to throw it to, but there was it was basically on the shortstop side of second base, and it just kind of scooted on through the infield over the mound, and eventually somebody picked it up. But by then, a single had essentially become a double. And then the next batter that got a hit was a hit to left field, Tyler O'Neal, trying to keep then the runner that had advanced to second from scoring on the single becoming the second run to have scored on that single. Throws it, fires, comes up, gun in for home plate, but too high in the air, sails over the cutoff man, and nearly got past Yachty or Molina as well. Yachty had to make a pretty abrupt stop of that baseball to ensure that it didn't cause further damage, but that allowed then another runner to advance to second base. So a couple of free bases given up by Cardinals outfielders in that inning contributed to KK giving up his first run, but then it was, I I believe it was second and third, nobody out. And he didn't give up another run from there. Good infield defense is what spared the Cardinals at that point. Nolan Aranato made a nice play. Mundo Sosa starting second baseman tonight, made a nice play. And then DeYoung finished it off with more of a standard play, but got it done under the gun. And if, if they don't make that play and anything goes awry, that's at least one more run that would have scored there and probably a different outcome for your game. So, KK holding it right there in third was important. And then from from there, he was really good to be able to get through those next three innings, innings four, five, and six, without allowing any further damage. Just three hits on the night. You don't like the the five walks, but did have six strikeouts. And again, the key for him, getting through that sixth inning for the first time this season. He said tonight that the next outing, you know, he always wants a little bit more, always talks about in the postgame zooms through his interpreter, Craig, wanting to be able to go to that next level. He said the next time he makes a start, he wants to still be on the mound when they're singing Take Me Out to the Ballgame. So next goal is to try to get into the 7th and through the 7th for KK, but he delivered a much-needed start for the Cardinals tonight. And really, that's three quality starts in a row for the St. Louis pitching staff. If you consider Carlos Martinez on Sunday, he was so good, you kind of forget about it because the offense was so porous. But then you had Wainwright on On Monday, give him a solid start, and then tonight, KK. So that's beginning to turn the tide in the rotation. But now tomorrow on Wednesday, you've got Oviedo, who's still seeking his first Major League win. And, you know, it's been kind of up and down for him this season. If he's able to sort of establish himself as a guy who will go five, six innings and keep the opposition below two, three runs... Cardinals would even take that. It's kind of what John Gant was giving them early in the season, and now John Gant has sort of gone the other direction. Perhaps feeling the heat a little bit, John Gant cut his hair. He cut it all off. He's back to the short hair, and his hair grows so quickly, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him by winter warm-up basically have the mane back intact. But he was pitching pretty well, pitching around danger, as we've talked about on the podcast previously. And then his last two starts haven't been good. I guess that's when he decided enough was enough, and he cut the hair. So Samson figured the hair didn't have much power left anyway, so he might as well cut it off. I don't know if that's something I should do. I'm, I'm starting to give more and more thought to that. If you guys end up subscribing to the episode, the BBWA Writers Ball Talk podcast this week, I recorded that earlier today. I mentioned this on yesterday's show, I believe. But it was with the commission Rick Hummel, David O'Brien of The Athletic covers the Atlanta Braves for them, and the wonderful host Tom Ackerman involved in that podcast today. And so I believe that will be released either Thursday or Friday later this week once they, they get it all edited and dispersed. And you'll be able to subscribe and, and purchase that episode if you're interested in seeing it. But if you do, the incentive, with this just being an audio podcast, and that one is audio video, you'll be able to see my hair in all its glory because I did wear it down for the podcast, but it's definitely getting to, to be a dire situation with how long the hair is. So maybe something's going to give eventually. I might go the way of John Gant. We'll have to wait and see what, what that looks like. But the Cardinals, as far as their rotation is concerned, now we've seen three fifths of their quote unquote new rotation, their current group. If you've got KK back and healthy, be able to deliver quality starts over the last three days We'll have to see what it looks like for Oviedo and then presumably Gant, I guess, would be next in line to, to make another start. We'll have to see what those guys are able to do. They can follow in the footsteps of, of the top three arms in the rotation to be able to continue to give the Cardinals chances to win. That would be pretty important when they head to Atlanta over the weekend. It's going to be a four-gamer that begins on Thursday. That, that Braves team, the NL East has not been particularly adept at the whole baseball thing this season. Uh, the Mets, I believe, are still out in front in that division. But the Braves, a couple of few games below 500 at this point. Certainly they have the talent to be able to contend, but they've dealt with some injuries just as the Cardinals have. And so it'll be important for the Cardinals to to go in there and try to maintain some of this momentum after finally getting a series win. And ideally they'll be able to, to secure the sweep against the Marlins. Uh, the Marlins, you know, postseason team last year, But I I just don't. I I, it just they don't have the pieces right now to be able to compete over the course of 162. Still a pretty young team. They've got some some good players, and and Rogers, who pitched tonight for them, is is one of those. Gave up just one earned run, three hits, six Ks, ERA for the season's at 1.98. Cardinals had a lot of trouble squaring him up over the course of the game until they were able to get something done in the sixth. But it's just been important for the Cardinals to be able to win those kinds of games again. When we started the season, we saw St. Louis in the close games and the ones that were tied late, and you just had a feeling they were going to be able to pull it off. You remember Nolan Aranata one opening day at Bush Stadium, home opener, to do what he did in his welcome to the city of St. Louis. The Cardinals have not had as many of those, obviously, over their losing streak because it's always been something. There's always been a reason One element of the the roster that wasn't contributing as necessary in a given game has cost the Cardinals a a lot of games lately. They haven't been able to put it all together. The last couple of nights, it's been really the offense that has been the only element that hasn't quite put it together the way you'd hope. But they've done enough, and they've done it in a timely manner. Four runs yesterday, just two tonight, but two wins. If you're scoring three runs a game and, and winning every game, you'll take that absolutely. It's not sustainable. The offense is going to have to chip in at some point in time and pick up for the other elements of the team that you have to imagine are going to have their stumbling blocks as well as the rest of the season unfolds. But for right now, especially against bad teams, being able to get those wins, really important for a Cardinals team that, I mean, we, we talk about just what the doctor ordered being playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Marlins aren't maybe quite in that territory because they do have some quality to them and they're not absolutely terrible i mean the pirates dropped to 20 games below 500 tonight with a loss eight to one to the nationals so it's a little bit of a different category but yeah you want to be able to play these teams and when you see them on your calendar on your schedule as the cardinals will for the rest of june i don't believe they play any more winning teams the rest of the month maybe just one i'd have to look at that schedule a little more closely but i know they play the braves who are currently a losing team the d-backs a losing team as well and they're wrapping up with the marlins I wish I knew who that other series was without looking it up, but I don't. Oh, never mind. It's the Detroit Tigers, and we sure as hell know they're not a winning team either. So Cardinals in prime position to be able to rattle off seven or so of their next ten games, and they really kind of need to do that. And, and honestly, you only maybe need to split with the Atlanta Braves two and two and those four to be able to accomplish that because you should you should beat the Tigers, you should beat the Marlins, and you should s- certainly beat the Arizona Diamondbacks at home given the D-backs have not won a game on the road in, I don't know how long. It's, has it been since April? They've lost 21 in a row. I know it can't be good. So, 21 in a row on the road for them. But, even though the Cardinals now have won a couple of games, it doesn't mean they're fixed. We said the same thing yesterday. It doesn't mean magically this team is, is back to competency. As long as you're doing it against the bad teams, you can build yourself up a little bit of a cushion before having to go in and face some tougher opponents. They'll get the the Giants and the Cubs, I know, before the All-Star break. It'll be the Rockies early July, and then Giants-Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. And that'll be a tough road trip, and and Cardinals at that point will be able to test their skills against some of the better clubs, against actual contending clubs. And that series at Wrigley, just before the All-Star break, is going to be super important. Looking a little bit ahead right now, getting ahead of ourselves, but... Just keep it, keep that in the back of your head. That right now the Cardinals just need to be banking wins because it's not going to stay easy forever, and so you want to take advantage of it while it is. Not sure I have a whole lot else to say. Oh, we had to talk about the Tommy Edman before we wrap up the podcast. Yeah, they they announced him scratched with a trunk issue, which I thought was their junk in the trunk. I was not totally understanding the phraseology. There they're talking about lower abdomen. It seems like. Oblique is the word you're avoiding saying, but but evidently maybe it's even a little bit a different spot than that. But we know if it ends up being an oblique-related issue, that can certainly spell you for some time. Cardinals are experiencing that right now with Jack Flaherty. And so this was listed as a trunk issue. And Mike Schultz said after the game, after a quick five-minute conversation with Tommy, doesn't think it's going to be in, in the realm of too serious But if you're playing shorthanded, especially with a guy who's been playing some outfield for you, Lane Thomas had to start tonight. He did have a base hit, but it was an infield hit, I believe they credited him for, on a bunt that uh, Diaz, uh, I don't know what he was doing, fielding this ball. He faked a throw to first. There's a runner on first, the bunt, and then faked a throw to first, and then faked a throw to second, and there was nowhere else to throw to, so I don't know what the plan was there. Ended up being a base hit for Lane Thomas. And I guess, too, in, in the midst of talking about this Edmund situation, uh, the the bunt play that happened in that inning, so they get Thomas on base, it's now first and second. And Adam Wainwright comes to bat, pinch hitting for Giovanni Gallegos. Mike Schultz said that Carpenter, who was still on the bench, not really an option because Blyer, the reliever that had been brought into the game, is tough on lefties, so they didn't want to go to Carpenter there. For whatever reason, they don't seem comfortable using the backup catcher. I don't know. That's always kind of been the the deal. But if you're Andrew Kisner and you, you've got a bat in your hand, I imagine he might have been able to make some noise in that situation if given the chance. But the Cardinals have consistently shied away from that, especially, I guess, in a tie game where if you don't get the run home there and you don't have the chance to see Reyes finishing out. In the ninth, you you don't necessarily know how long the game's going to last, and you don't want to risk going into extra innings without a backup catcher. Although, on the other side of that coin, it's not really as risky as it used to be when you've got a runner starting on second base in each half inning and in extras. It's probably not going to go very deep. I don't know what the longest extra inning this season has been. It's probably that one that was on like Sunday night baseball between the Padres and the Dodgers that was pretty exciting out west. I think that was on a Sunday night. It, w- it was a national game I remember watching. But nevertheless, Cardinals didn't want to go with the catcher there, didn't want to go with Carpenter, and Edmund presumably was unavailable. And so the situation Mike Schilt goes with is, is the bunt, which again does not work out. Double play, get the out at third, get the out at first. And then Goldsmith, his, his only really rough at bat of the night, was striking out looking in that situation to end the inning and end the threat for the Cardinals. At that point, though, you just had a man on second with two outs, and so the threat had been diminished. Here's my thing about this. Yes, I think the context matters, and I know people were ripping the bunt, and and this one, to me, more rippable than the, the Rondone one, which was bad a couple of weeks ago. Similar result, but in this case, you at least, or pardon me, in that case with Rondon back in early June, the Cardinals were trying to get the tying run to second base. If that bunt would have been successful, then a base hit would tie the game in the ninth inning. In this case, the go-ahead run was already on second base before you attempted the bunt. And I understand wanting to get it 90 feet closer and that way a sacrifice fly essentially wins you the game. With Alex Reyes coming on for the ninth, you feel pretty confident. But I I say in that situation, play it straight up. Find a way to play it straight up. Let Adam Lainwright swing if you want. I, you know, I don't know. That's probably not the answer either. You could give a little bit of trust to Carpenter who's been playing better as of late. That'd be an option. Or you can go with Andrew Kisner. I just do not love the bunt in that situation. I'm a little more willing to, to say this one I was not much of a fan of compared to the one in early June when I said, you know, it, based on the circumstances, I could I could see how Mike Schultz would have come up with that. This time, yeah, sure, I can see it. But at this point, don't you have to take a step back and say, all right, we've... Done this twice where we've gotten a bunt down and somehow everybody's safe, and then we go back to the well. Maybe they're expecting a bunt. It's got to be a better bunt. They just realize they failed to field the bunt. Like two times in a row when they've done this, it was right after a previous bunt that it had actually been successful. And so you go to the well one too many times. I would just say the next time the Cardinals get a bunt down late in a game and are successful in getting that runner to first base one way or another. Don't have the next guy bunt. The track record is small sample, but two is enough for me. I've seen enough. Let the guys swing away. You did have the top of the order coming up. You had to get through that pinch hitter situation, but after that it would have been Carlson, would have been Goldschmidt, Arnauto. It ends up being fine because of the Goldie home run in the ninth, but I was not a fan of the bunt, and I don't think the social media masses were very much either. But yeah, with Tommy Edmond, not sure exactly how long he'll be out. You hate to play shorthanded. But I would have to imagine that if he gets that day on Wednesday, he probably won't play tomorrow. They're fine having Sosa play second base. And you may see Lane Thomas again in the outfield. They may give Jose Rondon another crack at right field. Fortunately, you've got Scotty Hurst and Lars Newt who I don't believe is on the 40-man, but Scotty Hurst is. Those guys are back off of the aisle with Memphis. And so presumably, if, if there's a need in the outfield moving forward, you could add some some extra help from that category. That way, Newt is a guy I'd like to see. He was playing really well for Memphis before he hit the seven-day IL down there. But the Cardinals have seen Hurst, and he's already on the 40-man, so that might be an addition that ends up getting made for the road trip. I'd be kind of surprised if Hurst wasn't at the least, ends up being a guy that's like the taxi squad for that road trip, one of those outfielders at least, to be able to, Give the Cardinals some reinforcements if they need them. And it may come in terms of, forget the taxi squad. It may just be an IL stint for Edmund, even if it's not too severe. You don't have any off days this week like you did a week ago when the Cardinals were trying to nurse Yachty through a situation with the the knee contusion. I don't know that you want to play too much shorthanded for a a bench that already hasn't really been a strong suit of your team this season. So we'll see what Edmund looks like. We'll get a chance to ask Mike Schilt, presumably pregame, on Wednesday, my guess that is that he wouldn't be in the lineup, but that isn't necessarily indicative of an IL stint. But if, if he's down for much past Wednesday, I think you, you just go ahead and throw him on the IL, knowing that you have some options that you could bring up from Memphis. And honestly, to me, it would just be a straight bring up an outfielder for Tommy Edmond, even though he's been the primary second baseman. Sosa can handle it. He's proven that he's earned that kind of opportunity. And so whether it's Carpenter or Sosa mixing things up at second base, Get an outfielder that you can throw out there. Uh, lane Thomas is uh, still batting 111. I know he got the base hit tonight, but his OPS is 406. He has not looked like a major leaguer at the plate as of late, which is uh, tough to say because I was I was on the lane train for sure, but he, he just has not been able to get it done this year. So I would say uh, bring up an outfielder and, and probably throw that guy into right field if Tommy Edmond ends up needing some time on the shelf with a trunk issue. I, I, the trunk, that's what they called it. He's not talking about the rear end, the trunk. I'm not a medical guy. My wife would be ashamed because she she is, has taken all those medical classes. She's an occupational therapist, so she knows her stuff. I do not, so I'll ask her for, for the assist next time I need to uh, learn a little bit more about the injured body part for a Cardinals player. That's going to wrap it up, though, for this edition of the b Shave Daily Podcast. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. I'm sure it's a little easier for you to listen when the Cardinals are winning rather than when they're losing. But regardless, I appreciate you guys for hopping along on board with me this season. Make sure to do the whole uh, subscription thing if you haven't already. I'm not talking about a paid subscription like some of the other podcasts, though maybe someday if if I can get this thing going enough, I would like to eventually make some money from it. And I have the donations option on Anchor.fm, but if, if ever you're struck to say, I want to chip in financially, support the show, uh, just shoot me a DM on Twitter. And I would, of course, be very grateful for that. But for now, what I'm talking about is subscription on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find b Shafe daily. If you're looking for some other apps, you don't like any of those, anchor.fm slash B Shafer 12 Click on more platforms and you'll find all the options for your listening pleasure right there. Appreciate you guys once again. We will talk to you Wednesday after Game 3 between the Cardinals and Marlins at Bush Stadium. It'll be Johan Oviedo looking for his first major league win. We'll see if he gets it done. And then we'll meet right back here on Wednesday evening for another episode of B-Shape Daily.